Hi, welcome to another podcast of Sports Doc Sports. Today I have a special uh, podcast. I'm reaching out to a friend of mine who I've ridden many rides with as well as races. And uh, he's been a, an inspiration to not only myself but to many people as far as his ability to continue riding and his passion of riding and his his um, ability to, to really push himself into situations that most people can't. So with uh, no further ado, Ken, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Ken Tucker. I live in Germantown, Tennessee, and uh, worked my whole career in the Memphis, Tennessee area. And uh, I, I got started riding bicycles when I was uh, a youngster, probably about five years old. And, do you remember uh, your first bike? Uh, I do, sort of. Uh, I remember learning to ride and all the stuff that goes along with that. And uh, I, I enjoyed riding a lot as a kid. You know, there were other kids in the neighborhoods that had bikes. And so I kind of got hooked on biking around with the neighborhood kids. And uh, I think when I was about 15, I got distracted by driving right. and didn't care much about riding my bicycle anymore. So when did you bring it back to, you know, doing your recreational riding? Yeah, so I had a 30-year gap in my cycling. I got started again, uh, I think, when I was about 45 and uh, just started riding uh, around my neighborhood and enjoying it. And I had a friend who was a triathlete, and uh, he encouraged me to get a road bike and start riding with him. And so I had a lot of – I enjoyed a lot of bike riding with friends, uh, again, once I got going. But I was uh, working in – you know, so I was like a weekend cyclist and occasionally during the week. And uh, I retired from FedEx and uh, I had a lot of spare time and I started riding more and more. And uh, and I was kind of interested in, in some of the, uh, what I'd call adventure events. They're races, but I'm not really out there racing, I'm just riding. And uh, I'd, I'd come down here to Destin and uh, ride with you and your friend Robin, and I'd see these pictures here at the bike store of these uh, iconic events uh, in Colorado and uh, in Kansas and other places, and it it piqued my interest and made me want to do some of those events. So eventually I got started doing some of those events and struggled through uh, a lot of disappointments along the way, but... uh, Well, let me interrupt real quick, because I'm going to say one thing. So when you say... You, when you say disappointment, is it disappointment in your yourself, or is it really disappointment in the fact that you couldn't keep up with some of the people that you were riding with? Because I, I want to point out right now that Kent's not a young man anymore, right? Kent's, right. But he's been riding a long time, and Kent's been he's been pushing himself, and I mean he's an inspiration because he continues to push himself, and he continues whether he has a good race or a bad race. That doesn't stop him. He, it's what's the next race? What's the one he's going to train for? And uh, so what I want to talk about that is, so, yeah, maybe you're a little disappointed, but was it, what was the disappointment in? Uh, I'd say most of my disappointments that I wasn't able to accomplish uh, the goal that I, you know, had in my mind. And so, it, it, you know, it made me uh, kind of uh, refocus on the kind of training I was going to do and how I was going to try and accomplish those goals. And uh, I, I got started uh, doing some of these gravel events. Mm-hmm. which I really enjoy because they're usually in remote areas. You know, there's not that much traffic from cars, and you're out in uh, forests, national forests, state forests, uh, 
Just beautiful I, scenery. Beautiful scenery. You know, it's just a lot of fun. Right. And uh, I enjoy that. So what uh, well, I was going to bring you back to, and, and I think also, like myself, I'm, and the reason I'm bringing this up is that w- I think because of your your self-imposed goals that may have caused disappointment, did you, you know, I have a coach. and I, Didn't you get a coach? I did. Uh, I, I got a coach, uh, uh, I think, in 2020. Uh, that was my route to get into an event that I wanted to get into. And so I thought, well, coaching can't hurt me. And uh, it really helped me a lot to have a coach keep me focused on uh, my training and uh, not o- not overtraining, right? I mean, exactly. we, yeah, I had that problem as well. So, would you say it was probably one of the better moves in your career? Yeah, definitely. I can say just from watching you if, over the years, how uh-huh. when you when I heard you had a coach, I was like, oh, good for Ken. But I can tell you, I I watched you elevate since that time. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, the first year I had the coach uh, was 2020, and all of the events that uh, I had scheduled for that year, just about all of them got canceled due to the virus, mm-hmm. and uh, I was in the best uh, form of my life. <laughs> all my events were canceled, right. but uh, that just kind of lit a fire to keep trying to doing some of these things. So, uh, you know, if, if you want to, I'd kind of like to talk about the Unbound Gravel thing. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, we, I've talked about Unbound in previous podcasts, but the good thing about the Unbound is, one, it's challenging, as everyone knows who's done it or read about it, but... Unbound also is a different story for everyone. That's why I want to, yeah, please bring, let me hear what you think. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, it's what you'd classify as an ultra-endurance event, and I'm not sure why I've been interested in doing those, but just something about it uh, has attracted my interest. So I, I got into the Unbound Gravel in uh, 2021, and... Uh, had a disappointment there you know it's like a 204 mile start to finish and it like mile 180 late at night in the dark i had a mishap and it it kept me from finishing and uh so i had to wait a whole year to go back in 2022 and uh motivated were you yeah i was very motivated because it it, it I, you know it, it irritated me for a whole year that i had got that close to the finish line and didn't get to finish so i wanted to go back and and give it another shot and uh also i learned a lot of things uh you know i I think a lot of it is you know between the ears you know you can get your body in in a certain condition but you got to get your mental focus in a certain place too and i I think i reached a place where i wasn't really concerned about what might go wrong because i had learned that things are definitely going to go wrong yeah, yeah. so so I was more concerned about just you know persevering. So uh, it it turned out uh, that the unbound gravel uh, this year uh, had a lot of things that went right. You know, it wasn't too hot, and uh, the mm-hmm. course was in pretty good shape until we hit a few sections that were real muddy, and that was a big problem. Right. But uh, you know, I got through it. It was so much fun. Uh, you know, I knew other people who were doing the event. Uh, my wife has been so supportive. I mean, she was my crew support at this thing. So she had to be at a certain mile point where they allowed crew support waiting on me and some other riders to get there. And uh, I'd show up, and there she was, and I could, you know, get my bottle, water bottles refilled and 
uh, get something to eat and go on and uh, get an update on where everyone else was that well, I do in the event. I want to jump in here and say, well, she was also helping us out as well, right? Yeah. So I, I I look forward to seeing your wife at all the at all these uh, SAG stops, and uh, you know she had stuff for us as well. She had some uh, bottles for us to refill and, and and some food stashes, and it really was like an oasis when we got there. And she was always smiling, and. And always helpful, and it get, you know she has extra stuff. So even though I had some things that I, you know I was planning on eating, she always had just it was amazing. She had like a smorgasbord of food yeah. put out there. And as anybody knows, when you get into late into those rides, one, it's great to see her friendly face. Two, it's great to have her refill your bottles. But to be able to actually put some kind of food that's actually something that you can digest and keep in is the is the key. So I mean. Kudos to her because she's there to support you, but she's also so kind as to support the rest of us as well on some of these rides. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, and uh, so I'm trying to think back. I'm thinking that the the first uh, approved location for the uh, crew support was maybe around mile 80 or something like that, and so there she was, and uh, I take off again, get a little bit of rain on me, keep rolling. There's a about mile 120. There's a water oasis no crew support but you can fill your water bottles up uh i'm starting to you know get pretty tired by mile 120 and uh left there went on to about mile 125 and there's the muddiest section that i've ever tried to ride my bike across so it wound up being hike a bike carry my bike scrape mud off my bike for over a mile and uh, it took me about an hour to get through that. You know? I, I was there too. It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, my my shoes looked like Herman Munster boots. They were just <laughs> caked up. They felt like I had yeah. ankle weights on. Yeah. And the and the bike tires wouldn't turn because it was just jammed up with the mud into the frame. Yeah, I saw a lot of people fall down trying to ride it. I was walking it, carrying my bike. I uh, got to the end of it finally, and uh, got rolling again. And uh, we came to a, a a creek crossing. The creek ran underneath the road. Everyone had gone off the road into the creek to, wa- to wash the mud off their bike. I remember that. There was just l- lines of people in the creek, up and down the creek, trying to wash the mud off their shoes and their bikes. And do you remember, this is a very funny thing. So when we got to the end of that m- mud section, there was a, like a canopy little tent set up, a four-post yeah. tent. And they had a table. No one was there. And there was a stack of Frisbees on the yeah. table. I'm like, yeah. Why are there Frisbees out here, literally at whatever, 130 miles out? There was a contest there for uh, a disc golf contest you take oh. the disc and you're supposed to you know whoever can throw the disc closest to the pin that they had set up was going to win a prize i'm not going to name the company that was doing it or anything but there were people there when i went by and they asked me if i wanted to throw the disc and i declined i said do you have any water and the lady said no i'm sorry we don't have any water i didn't want to throw their disc but i needed some water well okay so at least i know now because honestly for this time i did not know and there was no one at the table just a stack of frisbees and so now i know what it was for yeah, yeah i gotta tell you i'm not sure why that would happen but i, I wasn't interested in throwing a frisbee either <laughs> yeah that was crazy <laughs> so, you know, I keep going on, and I think I have to get uh, from there about mile 125. I got to get to mile 160, where uh, I think is the next crew support sp- spot, it, the little town of Madison. And so I roll in there just before dark, and Tracy's there. So my bike is still muddy. It's been, my drivetrain has been making terrible noise. For the last uh you know 40 miles plus and i'm surprised i got there and uh i did a complete 
change of clothes. I took off my muddy cycling kit, put on a fresh one. While I'm doing this, Tracy completely washed down my bike with a bucket and a water and a sponge. Nice. She got all of the mud off my bike, lubed my chain. I got my bottles filled up. I ate some food. I'm, I got 40 more miles to the finish. I'm ready to go do it. I took off from there and I felt so good. I hadn't felt that good in hours and my bike sounded wonderful. So I went on 10 more miles and then I went into another muddy section. <laughs> yes. So much for cleaning everything up. Yeah, I remember that section yeah. too. At any rate, I managed to get through that muddy section and uh, kept rolling. I could see red blinking lights up in front of me in the dark and uh, most of them I, I couldn't catch up to, but I could just see them. And all of a sudden I started gaining on this light. And uh, I thought, well, this this person must be really going slow and uh, or maybe they're stopped. And I got to him and, and and the cyclist was walking there in the dark in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And I said, man, uh, you, you need any help? He says, no, my day is done. My chain is, is broke. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in. I said, you got someone to come get you? Yep. So I left him there in the dark on some Kansas back road, kept riding. Uh, you know, finally made it into Emporia. And uh, there, there weren't a whole lot of people left at the finish line when I got there. But... Uh, of course, Tracy was there, uh, and she had been, her day had started about 4 a.m. Uh, that morning, uh, the morning before, actually, and uh, it's about 2.20 in the morning when, the next morning when I got there. So uh, she was there, and uh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, Robin was there also. Of course, he'd already had time to get cleaned up, and, uh, in you know, he took a shower and cleaned up after he finished, and... Uh, uh, Matt was there as well, our buddy Matt, who rides with us. And uh, it apologetically, was so I'm sorry I wasn't. I was gassed. Oh, I, I, I was mean, blown up. I wasn't expecting anyone to be there. I knew Tracy'd be there because I needed a ride back to the hotel. You right. Know? Uh, so we get there, and uh, I'm collecting my finisher prizes, and I'm looking at them, and I say, I don't see a patch in here. And so I went back to the table. I said, uh, Are y'all giving out patches this year? I mean, I wasn't going to leave there without my patch right the young lady says well let me check and so she goes off and she comes back a few minutes later and she's got a little plastic tote full of those midnight or, or breakfast club finisher patches and uh so i wasn't gonna leave there without that patch so i've got that patch sitting right by on a table right where i sit at home i look at that patch almost every day to remind <laughs> me of uh of down gravel well of the day of multiple emotions so the with Unbound, there's three patches you get. You get the dinner club if you uh, finish before sunset. You get the midnight club if you finish before midnight. And then there's a breakfast club if you finish before <laughs> it, uh, whatever the cutoff is yeah. in the middle of the night. Yeah. But uh, tr And then they throw a block party in that town. Yeah. So um, from previous times, you can be finishing in the middle of the time when they're having a huge party and they're, you know, they're, the, the locals are out. It's a nice town. They really cater to the event. And uh, they have food booths, they have beer booths, they have uh, music pumping out, they have yeah. bands. It's a great party. And then it usually kind of cuts out at about 11, 11.30, maybe midnight. And then uh, then the rest of people come rolling in. And I will say, the year that you were talking about where you didn't finish, that was the year I threw up from, I think, mile 110 to 180. <laughs> I couldn't stop dry heaving. It's, it was the worst Worst race. That was a hot day. Yeah, it was a hot day. And I just was coming off of, I don't know, I had something. So, um, 
but Tracy was there for you, and she helped us. Matter of fact, I remember she had some fried rice, and that was the only <laughs> thing I could keep down. <laughs> yeah. So that helped. But uh, with that being said, so the the town really does cater for this race. It's a great event. Um, it's a, it's a, the expo they had there this oh, yeah. last couple of years it's was fantastic. fantastic. And so if I'm if you're a gravel rider and you really want an epic event, that's you know they have the the fifty, the hundred, and matter of fact, who rode the hundred uh, this year? Who was that? Um, Peter Sagan. Exactly. He, he rode the 100 this year. Well, i got a story about that. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, the, doing the 200-mile event, you started an hour before the people doing the 100-mile event. So when I heard that Peter Sagan was going to be there, I started calculating what mile would I be at when Peter Sagan passed me because <laughs> the, the courses were the same up until like mile 41. And so I thought somewhere in the, in the 30s that Peter Sagan and the leaders would probably pass me because they probably – going twice as fast as me and and they were and uh but they but they didn't pass me so i get to the first uh water oasis at mile 40 just before the split and i didn't really need any more water but i needed to uh i wanted to eat something so i pulled over right there and started eating and i'd been there less than a minute and peter sagan pulled in right in front of me i mean right in front of me i took his picture people were coming up there getting selfies with him the first thing peter sagan said when he pulled in there was does anyone have a hex tool <laughs> he wanted to adjust his bike so he had he'd been riding with the leaders in the 100 miler up until that point and then he wasn't interested in racing it anymore he was really there for a pr deal uh with some of his sponsors right. commitments and, and stuff and what an ambassador right he's oh, yeah. such a great guy yeah. and uh, you know if you could pick out an ambassador for for cycling and and, and probably one of the greatest bike handlers in the world i mean right. no one can ride as well as he can um he's just a, a great guy and always always from what i hear i haven't met the man always there to, to say something kind to give you some uh some kudos and and to keep you going in motivation so yeah. uh, good for you to actually meet him yeah i, I got the, i got that picture for that event as well <laughs> so go let's talk about tracy real quick because i really wanted to go into this so the last podcast i did we, we, it was in mallorca where we were um riding in the mountains and i was with some of the girls that were with us in our group they were riding e-bikes and literally it was a new world for them and so tracy now rides an e-bike correct correct yeah so tracy and i were riding together uh 15 years ago i mean we did a lot of riding together and uh over time time. things just uh you know got in the way of uh our riding compatibility and it got to where uh, we didn't ride too much together because uh, our speeds were so unmatched. And uh, so I, I was, uh, I've got a local ride back home in uh, Germantown where uh, the guy who is the ride leader started riding one of these uh, electric assist bikes uh, on the ride. And he went from being a ordinary rider to all of a sudden he's riding with the heads of state on the local race teams. And I watched him do this for a couple of years and I, th- I thought that it would be something that Tracy might uh, enjoy. So I started talking to her about it, and she wasn't too keen about it at first. But uh, eventually we did get one. And so for a year now, uh, Tracy has probably, she's probably been with me on 80% of my training rides. And uh, uh, so it's, it's been really nice for us to be able to ride together again. And, uh, you know, she has to wait on me now, so it's, it's, it's a different different deal. I, absolutely. So I, that's the whole thing, right? So it's actually brought your your relationship as far as riding relationship yeah. and stuff back to a new level. Granted, you're a humble guy, and she 
definitely puts you down a little bit on some of the rides with that <laughs> e-bike. I will say today, we rode today, and there was a little sprint section that we do, and uh, she was third <laughs> in the group, which was, yeah. you know, so amazing. We were off the back a little bit, and... Uh and I was pretty gassed, and, and she was right there beside me, and I said, go catch him, and off she went, you know, so. <laughs> I love it. I just absolutely love it. And, it, and with a smile, too, which is even better. So, yeah. uh, so I, you know, again, Ken, I just want to thank you for, okay, I have to go, before we go any further, I have to say this. So the whole podcast started one day, Ken and I were here at the bike shop, we finished a ride, and we, he was asking me something about sports medicine, about riding, and I was talking, and then we started talking about some epic events. He goes, you know what? You should do a podcast. <laughs> and out of nowhere, I was like, you know, that's a good idea. I think I'll start that. Do you remember that day? I do, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So um, that, you're, the, you're part of the reason this whole thing has kind of manifested. Well, so thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's been lots of fun to get to know you and ride with you and go Same. on these adventures with you and share some of these uh, similar experiences. A lot of fun, Steve. Yeah, well, thank you. And thanks for being on the podcast today. Anything you want to say in closing? No, no. I, I think I, that's about it. I appreciate you uh, highlighting me on your podcast. Oh, right? it's a pleasure. And again, yeah. you are truly an inspiration. I appreciate your time and your friendship. So, everyone, thank you for uh, listening to another podcast. Everyone, stay strong, be sweet, take care. <laughs>